You're listening to The Hoist with Sandy, and that was Friendship Theme by soulful jazz funk quintet Surprise Chef off of their latest EP, Friendship, which just came out at the start of June. And if you've been tuning into The Hoist on Wednesdays this season, then you know that we have been religiously spinning this EP with every new single that came out. Tonight, we are in for a huge treat as we've caught Surprise Chef in between tours and Stucky has jumped on the show for a chat. Hey, thank you for being here. Of course, it's a pleasure. Sin is uh, such an important thing. We love it. We appreciate everything that you guys do for music in this city. So it's a privilege to be on. Oh, thank you. It is an honour to have you. Um, And I want to kind of check in first of all because... As I said, you're in between tours and you've just spent the past two months touring around Europe and North America, which is such a huge feat. So where's your head at, Stucky? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. It is a real adjustment. We just got back a few days ago. We were away for the best part of the last two months in Europe and America, as you said, and um, definitely enjoying the creature comforts of being home, enjoying my couch, enjoying my bed, enjoying the cat. Um, Even in this but, miserable weather. Well, that is pretty tough. I got to say, it was beautiful over over on the other side of the world. So it's definitely a bit of an adjustment coming back to the uh, icy <laughs> depths of Melbourne. But yeah. uh, you know, one of the one of the biggest adjustments I think is the lack of routine comparatively to um, being on tour. Like when you're on tour, all your days are really mapped out, and there's a very narrow bandwidth of things to do. You know what time you got to be at the van. You sit in the van for a few hours. You get to the venue. You load in, sound check, get a bite to eat. If we're lucky, maybe see some of the city we're in, and then you play, and then you're in the van again. And it's that repeats every single day. And then coming home, you know, you're beholden to all the structures of normal life having to you know structure your day and work out what needs to get done and stuff like that so it's been a bit of an adjustment coming back but you know we're on the road again we're going back to the west coast the usa in about six weeks time so we'll get back into the swing then Mm. can also be pretty grueling i imagine like you know day in day out the long drives the setting up the packing up how do you keep some semblance of sanity like do you do certain things to kind of keep yourself grounded? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're still working it out for sure. I mean, this is our f- our third trip overseas. And each time we do it, just like anything, we learn a little bit more and hone in on the best ways to do things. Mm. When you're on tour, it really is this tiny little ecosystem that has to be looked after and nurtured and We've found that certain things like exercise are really important, making time to be active and physical whenever possible, especially because it can feel pretty sedentary day to day, spending long hours in the van. And um, so, you know, if if we're staying at a hotel that has a gym, you'll definitely find us all, you know, stomping away on the treadmill or doing whatever, you know, sleep is a really important one. Uh I think we maintain a pretty healthy lifestyle as much as we can when we're on tour. We don't really drink or party or do any of that naughty stuff when we're on the road just because it is really, really grueling. And the Mm. effects of those things, like having too much to drink or even just drinking consistently every day, 
just makes the whole situation exponentially more difficult. And more to the point, it makes playing difficult. And when you're on tour, there's like, you know, 90 minutes per day, which is showtime, which is the most important bracket of the day. Mm. And everything you've been doing all day leads up to that. And it's really important to prioritize that time and make sure that you're not doing anything in the margins that would impact your ability to play in those 90 minutes and keeping that front of mind is really important. So we try to get as much sleep as possible. We try to eat healthy where possible, which is not always possible when you're eating at servos, especially, mm. you know, in the States, um, all that stuff goes a long way to making the longevity, the, the longevity of the tour, what it is. Yeah. It's almost like uh, the stuff that everyone learned during lockdown, like, oh, I actually need to go outside and I actually need to sleep. And like exercise is good, you know? Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's, definitely. it's good that you're being able to maintain that while you're on tour as well. Um, I read something very sweet, I think, from your Instagram about friendship, which you said it's a humble monument to the crucial principle of your band, which is that the love that you share for one another is at all times the most important thing. And so I was wondering how that principle informs the music and the ethos of Surprise Chef. Yeah, well, friendship is indeed an extremely crucial part about our band and has been since day one. When we started the band, we didn't really have any aspirations to tour or sell a bunch of records or anything like that. It was really just something we wanted to do with our own love of music in mind. And, you know, we were all kind of in our mid to late 20s when we started this band and up until that point we'd all had lots of experience doing different things in music playing in a sessional capacity in other people's bands some people taught music some people did you know function corporate kind of music work and this band was always about just doing music for the love of music uh, and when we started the band Jethro and I kind of put the band together and it was definitely, we were choosing the people that we thought would have the stylistic understanding of the kind of music that we wanted to make. Mm -hmm. But we're also choosing the crew that we just wanted to be with and play music with. And, you know, we started the band with Carl and Andrew and they were both people that we'd played in other different capacities with and, this was just an opportunity to like play some funk music together. And as the band's grown and our prospects have changed and our opportunities have changed and we've been able to develop an audience and go on tour and do all that fun stuff, that core principle of our friendship with one another, it only gets more important. And, you know, as you said before, tour life can be really grueling mm. and, you're playing shows every single night and it can definitely feel like a slog and we find that it's really important to remind ourselves you know it's it's such a special thing to be able to do that with people that you care about to have those experiences as a group and you know this is stuff that we'll look back on when we're old <laughs> jaded people you know sometimes we feel like we're old and jaded now but 
you know, later on in life, we're going to look back and go, how special was that that we could share that together? And, you know, outside of touring, making the records together, um, hanging out, developing music, doing all that stuff. It all really hinges on the love that we have for one another. Mm. And, you know, naturally the band's kind of gotten a little bit more serious than it was when we started it. You know, there's there's deadlines and there's money and there's people's livelihoods and there's, you know, we've had to, or we've, rather we've been able to dedicate more and more of our lives to this as it's gone on. But like I said, it's just become more and more crucial that we remain in touch with the fact that we love each other and that's the most important thing. Mm. Speaking a bit on the dynamic of the band, I'm interested when you are cooking up a song, do you kind of appoint like a, a head chef, a sous chef? You know, is it like, okay, this is Stucky's song, let's follow his vision on this? Or is every song very democratic? What does it look like for you guys? Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think some people tend to make the mistake of assuming that just because we don't have a singer that it's all very jam-based and everything just kind of flows and comes and everyone's just doing their thing and it's all... <laughs> structured yeah and for the most part that's not really the case most of the time an idea gets brought in and whoever's brought in that idea has something of a vision for the tune something of an idea of the overall mood of the tune is usually something that people have in their heads and from that initial vision there is a lot of democratic process as far as you know, everybody in the band now has a really strong idea of what this music is and how everybody fits in individually in a musical sense. So that means that everybody is generally really well-placed to be writing their own parts and contributing their own knowledge and perspective to the songwriting process. Mm. Um, sometimes things do just come from a jam kind of place where we just sort of play and develop those ideas from there but a lot of the time somebody has brought in at least the initial idea and you know you might call them the head chef or the sous chef or <laughs> um or whatever because the initial concept of the song came from them so they have a strong vision about where it sort of needs to go but the minutiae within that often comes from everybody individually yeah yeah, cool. I, I'm interested in um, talking a bit about this whole idea of making instrumental music, which you kind of touched on just before. I read, interestingly, in an interview that you did, I think it was about Education and Recreation, your album from last year, you said, I wake up every day and thank the universe that I don't have to write lyrics. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, how much does narrative play a role when writing or destination even, what do you build a song around usually? I think usually when a song begins or an idea begins, it's strictly musical in nature, if that makes sense, where we're not trying to necessarily convey a narrative at the beginning. If there is a narrative to be conveyed, it often sort of reveals itself to us after a tune has kind of been completed and we can kind of apply something in our life whether it's a reflection of our day-to-day -day or you know mm. there's a breakup song or two in there that people oh, yeah? may not have picked up on but, but often that stuff kind of comes after the tune usually the 
main considerations that we apply early on and when we're working on music is just about the music. It's like, there's this cool drum feel that we want to put in or, um, you know, we heard a record and it might have had this specific arrangement technique applied to it that results in a specific feeling that we want to work on and that we want to apply to our music. Mm. So often any kind of narrative or meaning in a song comes later. And I'd like to think that also creates the kind of music that can be interpreted more generally by the listener where you don't have to decide if the subject matter of the music is relevant to you rather you can extrapolate whatever kind of meaning that you see fit as a listener from mm. the music yeah would you say the same can be said about naming your songs is it more like a tactile thing to do with how the song feels like spiky boy is so i freaking i love that it actually feels like this little spiky boy when you listen to it <laughs> is that I mean, but then again, like there's A1 Bakery, Pledge of Allegiance. I don't know how much that actually had to do with A1 Bakery. But yeah, talk to me about the naming of your songs. Is that also to do with how they feel as opposed to a narrative? Uh, yeah, it often kind of differs. You know, Spiky Boy, as you said, that was really because that's how the song felt. And that was one of the songs that just came from a very sporadic us jumping in the rehearsal room or jumping in the studio and just doing something goofy together. And, uh, yeah, that was that. It's also called Spiky Boy because that was one of the tunes that we kind of wrote in between lockdowns where the three of us lived together and, you know, the other boys would come around and everyone's wearing masks and um, Spiky Boy was a bit of a reference to COVID and how we're all trying really hard not to get it. Um, and... A1 Bakery, on the other hand, uh, that's also kind of COVID-related, funnily enough, but uh, Jethro and I had gone to A1 Bakery, which we do just about every day, and we had gotten the text that, like, it had been an exposure site and we were going to have to be, like, locked down for two weeks or whatever in our house. Oh. And we were working on that particular tune at the time, and the title was a reference to the fact that if we went to A1 and as a consequence had to spend the next couple of weeks inside, then that's worth it. And this tune <laughs> that we're working on right now, it's our A1 Bakery Pledge of Allegiance. It's like <laughs> we'll go to A1 as much as possible, even if it means like potentially getting sick. You know, wow. this tune is our A1 Bakery Pledge of Allegiance. Whereas a tune like... Uh, you know, Friendship Theme, for example, that was a tune that Jethro was working on that Jethro kind of brought to the band. And it was a shorter tune. It's like, you know, two and a half minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it felt like a bit of, you know, a theme, like the kind of theme that might be in a film rather than an entire piece of music. And it's that particular tune just kind of felt like our friendship theme, like, you know, if we were walking out for like a wrestling match, like all five of us, <laughs> that'd be our like friendship theme. So, yeah, but often, especially earlier on, we just gave the tunes funny names that didn't really necessarily have anything to do with the music. Mm. Like All News is Good News was one of the early kind of pieces of music that we worked on. And that was just 
a dumb throwaway like man everyone talking about no news is good news i reckon all news is good news and then that was kind of that whoa so but yeah some of our <laughs> some of our tunes can be uh read into and some absolutely should not yeah well there's even there's already so much uh variety and like all these different textures on just this EP alone of six tracks. And it's interesting. It's like if you look at Over the Moon, you could consider it almost an exercise in restraint. And then as you were saying, Spiky Boy is like this sporadic, uninhibited, almost hedonistic song. And it's funny because you you guys said, which I have to know more about this, you said that Spiky Boy was recorded in what you've dubbed the bone zone. <laughs> Can you elaborate on what that is exactly? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have had the absolute pleasure of recording a lot of music with each other over the past few years, both with this band and different kind of projects. And we have developed a, a kind of structure or a system of recording music that really works for us. So it feels like, you know, that process feels like putting on your favorite old hoodie or something. It's something we're very familiar with. And we record all of our stuff live in the room together, which often makes the recording process kind of arduous because mm-hmm. we have like a certain vision in our brain of how the tune needs to sound and everybody needs to play it perfectly together for us to attain that vision. And sometimes you spend hours and hours and hours and hours with just the band playing the same song over and over and over again. You do the take and then you go in and listen on the tape machine and, you know, maybe like the pocket here doesn't feel right, the groove here doesn't feel good or the dynamics here could be better and so you do it again. And before you know it, it's like one in the morning, no one has like seen the sun in hours, no one has like eaten in a while and everybody just starts to get a little unhinged, and that is the bone zone. And the bone zone often bears really wonderful results because you lose perspective, you lose certain inhibitions about the kind of music you're making, and sometimes the bone zone is just completely disorientating in a way that is not necessarily conducive to making good music, and sometimes it is. And Spiky Boy was definitely made in the bone zone where we'd been recording education and recreation all day and it was we'd probably been recording for like eight days straight. Oof. And we had finished doing a tune. I can't remember what the tune was. And then it was like, you know what? Everyone's still got a little bit of energy in them. Let's just go in there and knock out Spiky Boy, which we didn't actually think was a tune that would ever come out because it's so different to the rest of our music and it's just a bit you know, anti-Surprise Chef in a lot of ways in my mind. Um, it's like it's loud, it's all at one dynamic, hmm. um, which are two things you don't often find in Surprise Chef tunes. And that particular tune really benefited from the kind of mentality that you're in when you're in the bone zone, where we weren't pulling it apart, we weren't going, no, we can do it better, we weren't, you know, we're just going, let's just go in there and just give it hell. And, you know, that was... Spiky boy. So (laughs) enough respect to the bone zone. It's a really fun place to be and it's a place we find ourselves very often. It's so funny, not to diminish the importance of the bone zone, but it sounds almost like 
do you remember being a kid and you'd be having a sleepover with your friends and you're all still awake to, at like 3 a.m. and things just start to get really silly? <laughs> that's that's exactly right. I couldn't have put it any better. We're like a bunch of children at a sleepover and we're yeah. all getting like cheeky and naughty and we've like had too many skills yeah. and uh, you end up making music that sounds like whatever the hell Spiky Boy is. So good. Yeah, I love that as well that the EP ends with Spiky Boy because it's like you've, yeah, we're left off in this, deep in the night in this sense of delirium. But also what you were saying with recording to tape, it's really cool how you're able to capture a sense of the song being alive, which definitely comes through. And I know that you have, so you have two shows coming up in Nam soon, Brunswick Ballroom, right? So there's the show on the on July 7th, which is already sold out. But you went ahead and added another one, which is very nice of you. So the next night on July 8th, does it feel any different to you playing shows nowadays in town, in your hometown, as opposed to overseas? It feels really different. It feels really, really different. Um, Like I said, this was our third tour we've done. And each time we've gone overseas, we've sort of played in different cities. So we've had a really wonderful smorgasbord of different experiences playing in different cities. We've played big shows and big festivals where like everybody's there to see surprise chef. And then we've played in like little towns when, you know, no one knows or cares. But uh, for the most part, we find that when we play overseas, there's a certain kind of um, appreciation that people give to us because they know how far we've traveled. And in America and Europe, there are so many countries and so many cities that are so close to each other. And for a lot of the people that we talk to over there, the idea of us being on a plane for like 30 hours mm. to come play on those continents is crazy to them. And so when we're playing in, you know, Paris or London or Amsterdam or wherever, we talk to people after shows and they're like, we can't believe you're here. We can't believe you've come all this way. We just, you're from Australia. We just thought we'd never get to see you because... It's so far away and it's a different experience playing in your hometown because you're kind of a known quantity and you're around and, you know, we've been playing here for years now and whilst our audience is definitely growing, there's plenty of people who have seen the band before, have seen the band a bunch before and it's just a different experience playing to people who can't believe they're seeing you and are so stoked that you've come all this way and are really appreciative and people that are like, oh, yeah, we'll go see Surprise Chef. Neither of them are necessarily better or worse than the other, but I'd say that's the main difference. Yeah. Is this why you're heading back off in August to America? You're like, ah, need to go and play more overseas shows? No, I mean, we love playing in Australia. We love playing at home. um, And it always feels awesome coming back. And there's definitely this certain thing that I think a lot of of, um, bands from Australia who've had some kind of success overseas would probably be able to attest to that there's a different kind of appreciation that people give you after you've sort of been perceived to have some overseas success. <laughs> and, um, you know, people have kind of said to us like, wow, you guys are over dominating the world, which is really funny because we're just not like, we're just doing, <laughs> we're just playing gigs. Um, and you know, we're not Beyonce or anything, obviously, but, people in Australia tend to treat you differently when you've come back from overseas. And it's cool to go around and have all these experiences around the world playing in these different places and then come back and play in the place that you know to the people that you know. That's a really special thing. Mm. 
first step gigs, second step world domination. Surprise, chef. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, repeat. Well, if anyone listening wants to find out more about the shows in Nam and where to snag your tickets, you can head to their socials at Surprise Chef. And Stucky, thank you so, so much for jumping on the show. It has been such a treat talking to you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been an awesome chat. I really appreciate the time um, having a chinwag and uh, hope to see you at the show if you're around. Awesome. Come back anytime. And next up, we are spinning a track from some other Nam-based legends, Alicia Joy and Rara Zulu. This is Still Dreaming, and you're listening to The Hoist on Sin 90.7 with Sandy and Beck. <laughs> 